You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Our text uh, this episode is Igras Moshe Evan Ezra Chelek Dalit Simen Kuf Chaf. This is from 5737 Yudalit Chvatz, or 1977. This is the last uh, dated Tshuva, which Rav Moshe uses the term Lonitan Klal. Although we will finish the series with two undated uh, trivot that you'll have to figure out yourself where they fit. It seems to me from the evidences that Rav Moshe uh, pretty much stopped using the phrase toward the end of his life. Um, we showed how very early on he used it in a conversation um, with um, Rav Kontravitz, um and it really was about learning it all. Uh, it seems that as it developed, it became more a statement about things he believed very strongly. Um, but it seems to me that he diminished the use of the term uh, there are many fewer true vote um, using it later than there were earlier. Uh, this so this is a rather peculiar true Um The topic is a woman who was married to a Jew, um, presumably committed adultery, um, was divorced from the Jew, but not with a uh, um, but not with a civil get. Um, it could be that um, very plausibly that she was civilly divorced first and then. Um, from a halachic perspective, committed adultery with a non-Jew. Uh, the husband uh, gave her what's called a get zikui, right, which, in which she did not agree to receive the get, but the Beitin appoints a, an agent to, res- to receive the get for her on the grounds that it is to her benefit to receive the get. And then the, um, her Jewish husband died, and he has, uh, they had no children, and he has a, a brother, and the question is, uh, does she need chalitza as well? Um, so there are obviously there are two questions. One is whether a woman who committed adultery and is thereby uh, forbidden to her husband requires chalitza. And the second question is uh, under what circumstances a getzuke works and does not work. Um, this shiv is written to Rabbi uh, Appel of Leeds. Um, Rav Moshe concludes in the following paragraph that everything Rav Leeds says is correct. And he has nothing to, to say about it, that she doesn't need chalitza. Um, but despite um, concluding in those uh, very clear words, uh, Rav Moshe actually has, writes a seven-page shuva, um, which is one peculiarity with why write a seven-page shuva, only to say that you have nothing, that you know, everything you said is correct, and I have nothing to add. Um, and in those seven pages, he says many fascinating things. It seems to me likely that uh, the reason that this is a lumdish piece that Rav Moshe has prepared and written uh, in other occasions, and it was really more of an excuse to get it into this shuva. As a wild speculation, I would suggest that perhaps this is a shuva Rav Moshe had written uh, many years ago in Luban, and it's one of the shuva that got lost, and he's recreating it here uh, because he has the occasion. Um, the issue that it addresses is also brought up in a 5735 Truva, where the question there is whether to require the husband to be Mazaka Aget um, before allowing him to remarry. Um, but it doesn't really touch on the same issues as here. Uh, although it's productive to try and analyze some differences uh, between the treatment of the treatment of the Zikui. Um, another interesting thing that Ramosha says in this Truva is a very strong argument that it is better to accept a dochek resolution of an apparent contradiction between sugyot than to say that the sugyot um, disagree um, 
if he goes so far as to say that if there is a even remotely plausible way of resolving the sugyot, then you can assume that whoever said that there was a machloket hasugyot hadn't thought of that and perhaps would have agreed had they uh, had they heard of it. So that's a very strong statement. I'm not aware of Rav Moshe taking this position consistently that one should do everything possible to avoid a machloket hasugyot. Um, I'd love to, if somebody had done has done a, uh, a full study of this and can tell me uh, whether I'm just wrong or whether in fact there are, as I suspect, many places where Moshe comes to terms with a machlokat esugyot, um, and then we have to talk about whether there's a plausible reason that he's not um, he's not allowing he's not allowing that here. Um, he also says here that in this case there's an overwhelming majority, a rov minin and rov minin of poskim, a ruba de ruba uh, of poskim who support the position that an adulteress doesn't require chalitza at all. And therefore, one doesn't even have to be choshesh for the uh, for the counter position. Although in this case, he thinks that even if you were choshesh, the ziku, the get ziku would be enough. Uh, but he says the rov minyan, rov binyan, and you know, they're not even choshesh for the other position. Even though he concedes that the Ravid, the Mordechai, and the Trumas Hadesh, and the Mangrishonim, and the Gra, the Amshel Shlomo, the Nodei um are all take the counter position, and the chalitza is necessary, and that the Trumas Hadesh uh, at least believes that he is following the Maharam. So that's a pretty large group of Rishonim and Achronim to ignore, uh, particularly since it seems in the Tshuva that Rav Moshe doesn't think he has thought of any new arguments. Um, he's essentially retracing the argument made by the Nodei Behuda and just says, but you know, this is just wrong. Uh, so that's pretty dramatic as well. Um, he's astounded at the Trumas Hadeshin for believing what he calls an anonymous marginal note about the Maharam's position. Um, especially because he says the Maram says we generally paskin like a position of the Tosfos and the Rif Agrion, and even though the Medim in Haklos, uh, he says that the Klolos still created default. So if that's the if that's the Maram's position, then you need good evidence to show the Maram disagreed, and therefore he thinks that the Trumas Hadeshin should not have simply believed that this was the position of the Maram. That's also a pretty harsh critique of a uh, of Rishon's methodology. Um, he says that. Uh, a get zikui works for an adulteress, even if she says she doesn't want the get loudly, um, because rejecting a schut because of an error is irrelevant. Uh, now, in the other tshuva, in this is dalad kuchav and dalad dalad, he says this is a huge suffix. Um Here, he admits the position is complicated, and both tshuva, he says the best thing is just not to ask her in advance, and that post facto, if she raises objections post facto, that's much less serious because we can claim that she's just doing that. Uh, in order to demonstrate something, but really, uh, in fact, she wanted um, she wanted to get. Okay, those are all fascinating things Rav Moshe says in the course of this tshuva, but let's focus on our topic on this series, which are the things about which Rav Moshe says that they are in Lodin Tan Lehamir Klal, they cannot be said at all. Uh, he says it here within his critique of the Yam Shel Shlomo. Uh, the Yam Shel Shlomo, uh, giving his reasons for requiring Chalitza in the case of an adulteress, or a Tsaras adulteress, um, no difference for us, says that the Sugya on Yevamos Gimelamet Bet reads the Mishnah there as intended to exclude Rav when it gives a number, because um, Rav says Sarasota Asura on Yevamos Yod Aleph Amet Aleph, which for Tosis means also, right, Asura doesn't mean Asura but requires Chalitza, it means Asura and therefore uh, doesn't require Chalitza. And the Yamshel Shlomo says that we paskin like the Mishnah against all the cases it excludes. And uh, he says that Rav Yochanan explicitly says in three of those cases that we paskin um, like the Mishnah against those cases. The Amshel Shlomo says, you might think that um, Rav Yochanan saying it about only three of the cases 
proves that we do paskin um, like the things the Mishnah excludes in other cases, and therefore that, in fact, Rav Yochan only saying this about three of the cases is a raya that we do paskin like Rav. Uh, but says the Amshel Shlomo, this is wrong, because maybe the reason um, Rav Yochan didn't bother including it because he thought this one was obvious for the Mishnah. Um, and he and and he had no idea that Rav had not thought it was obvious. But Rav Moshe doesn't read the Amshel Shlomo the way I just did. Rav Moshe reads the Amshel Shlomo as saying that Rav Yochanan just thought it was obvious, even if he knew that Rav disagreed. And oh, by the way, maybe he didn't know that Rav disagreed. Um, so having read the Amshel Shlomo as making the first point independently, that um, that uh, Rav Yochanan thought that the Rav's position was so obviously wrong that he had no need to rebut it, uh, Rav Moshe finds this just intolerable because how could Rav Yochanan have rejected Rav on the basis of a Mishnah when obviously Rav knew the Mishnah and would have had a Teretz? So it can't be obvious. You have to know what Rav's Teretz is. And secondly, as all sorts of statements in which um, Rav, Rav Yochanan expresses great respect for Rav. So how could it be that uh, Rav Yochanan would simply reject Rav out of hand? Um, so this again, you know, it, it's pretty, like using, using the rhetoric of Bonitana and Erklal uh, about the Amshul Shlomo is pretty strong. Um, and um, I don't know if it's really fair. Here is the uh, Yamshul Shlomo's um, language. The Lekalimim, or you can't say the Adraba, that the Pumfakert, to Siyata the Halachikarav, the Rav Yochan's statement is evidence for Rav, Amir Amr Rav Yochan Hanaflas, Lo Amr Nami Achas Sarasota. Um, right, so right, we could say that Yochanan um, didn't mention the case of Rav because he does paskin like Rav. So Yochanan Lomar the pshitale. We can say it was obvious to him in the Sota, and he was relying on the Mishnah there, which excludes it. The Sota Gufa Chalitzes Lo Mesiabem. It's not the Mishnah that he's excluding based on the number, but another, but another, uh, but but another Mishnah. And although that Mishnah is talking about uh, it's talking about a Sota, and a Sota is only a Suffolk adulteress. He doesn't accept the, the Teresitosis gives that um, that that mission is only uh, that mission is talking about a sota, but a vaday a vaday adulteress does not uh, do chalitza either chalitza or yibum. Vihad Rav lo and he didn't hear um, Rav's statement. Um, yes, I, I I reading it it seems to me pretty clear that the Yamshel Shlomo um, used these um, as one single explanation and didn't really consider the possibility that, that Rav Moshe says you can't say it all. Which is, uh, um, you know, that Rav Yochanan would simply reject Rav without even bothering to mention his position if he knew about it, because he thought that it was that the, the mission in Sota was so obvious, and he he hadn't thought of Sota as terrorist, I guess. So it's it's puzzling to me that Rav Moshe uh, goes so strongly against the Amshel Shlomo here, um, and it seems to me a little bit um, unfairly, and that also adds to my uh, to my thought that even though this is chronologically the last of Moshe's true vote. Um, actually, it is um, a reflection of a much earlier, uh, much earlier tshuva, a very early tshuva. Um, and I wonder, uh, this is something perhaps that uh, Eli Fisher would, you know, or, or the people doing computer analyses would be better able to answer. Um, I wonder if there is some kind of pattern in later tshuva of Moshe. Um, putting in things that hadn't made it into, it just hadn't, you know, putting in major ideas of his that hadn't made it into the Chuvot otherwise. Um, part of the question here is going to be the connection 
between the uh, the Trivot and the Dibrot. Um, but I, I wonder whether um, whether some whether some things were not uh, in this whether this example is anomalous that is a later tshuva where which is longer than it needs to be because it includes uh, positions that Moshe developed you know if if we had in the earlier tshuva in Luban uh, this is the kind of really well developed position you see where Moshe has a very strong position and even though there are Hushonim and Achronim against it, he's really clear about his about his about his psak and he's willing to you know to go all the way with his psak um on the basis not of an instinct about what the right conclusion has to be, but of but on a uh, on a on the conviction that that is the correct shot in the sugya uh based on the texts. Uh so I'm proposing that as a topic for research to see whether the the later true vote uh are often more like the earliest Shavuot uh, than like those um, in between. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.